One of the lenses I want to suggest would be to consider the gospel through the lens of initiation. We feel responsible to have a kind of 30-minute conversation that ends with the sitcom making sense. Uh, no. Sometimes the vision can cause you to stop. The vision doesn't drive you, the vision can actually constrain you. You just think, well, gosh, that's way bigger than I am. That's way bigger than my skills. If your spiritual life does not have a regular dose of adventure to it, it's not going to sustain the masculine soul. Sam, thanks for coming on the Anson's podcast. Great to have you today. Thank you. Good to be with you, fellas. I actually want to start with something you mentioned as we were talking before the podcast got rolling, but you majored in social ecology. What the heck is social ecology? <laughs> social ecology is a major that's ecological principles applied to sociology. It's um, it's you take a a bit of human behavior classes to um, environmental practices. It's it was partly out of it was one of the easier majors to take, which was important for me because I was not the greatest student. And then it was also what I was interested in. And, but not about any particular career path. It was just about if I'm going to be taking classes, I want to sign up for classes that sound interesting to me. So it was, that was what that was born out of. It's something I could probably get through academically and then what I was interested in. I was interested in kind of social psychology issues, um, people, behavior, what makes us go. So it's, Pretty clear how that ends up relating, knowing some of the story down the line to some of the work uh, that you end up being really good at, but not totally clear how social ecology relates to things like professional golf, uh, to <laughs> hmm. pick an example at yeah. random. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when I was in college, it felt like all of the other students above me and some parents, not all parents, but some were giving that advice of, you're going to be doing this for some years. Like you need to care about the material and, and love it. And that was what got me into doing English. But there wasn't this job at the end that I was driving towards. I wasn't getting like a real estate license. I wasn't getting a business degree, hoping to go in the business world. I'm just having total flashbacks as you're talking about getting a social ecology. Am I saying? Yeah. yeah. Social ecology. Social ecology degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Loving people. And obviously you could like fast forward down the road and be like, oh, these are great skills you developed for the interactions of human beings, but you graduated from college and you're like, great, I'm now, now what? I mean, you know a little bit about that, but I do it like you ended up ironing shirts and helping Mrs. Myers sign up for Tuesday morning golf classes. Yeah. <laughs> well, at the same time while I'm in college, I'm a golfer and played on the college, I played um, division one golf. And so that was what I was doing. And, and by the way, I'm in college. This is in the 70s. And the, the follow your heart message is not a new thing, even in, in the academic, in college. You know, they, even then they were saying, well, take what you're interested in. So I was doing that. But still, all like to today, people still say that. But the elephant in this room is, well, take what you like, what you're interested in, but it better lead to something. Right. And so that was still going on then, and it's still going on today. That, you know, oh, well, 
study what you're interested in. Follow your heart. Study what you're, what are you passionate about? Or yeah, this is going to go with you throughout. But so whatever you're studying, that's going to be what you get involved with. Uh, yes and no, because that's, um, but it, it totally affected what I ended up getting involved with. And it was in line with what I was interested in. And it wasn't a throwaway when the guy says, you know, I studied, you know, what is it, third century French poetry. And, you know, now I'm <laughs> exactly. in, now I'm a computer analyst. It's, no, 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 there's value in all of it. But yeah, it was, I was playing golf at the same time. And my story is I, I got out of college I graduated from UCI in 1980 with a degree in social ecology, but I'd played on the golf team. You get out of college, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do now? And I was I always have been and still am very into, you know, so-called, how do you blend lifestyle and work? Mm. And so I was kind of lost as far as professionally, what am I going to do career-wise? I was never a big goal setter. And I got out of college, and the, the club that we'd played at as a team offered me an assistant pro job to work in, you know, which is basically at a club working in the golf shop. Yeah, you're called a pro, but you're, you're doing, you know, retail, folding shirts and helping Mrs. Smith on Tuesdays. So that, I just did that kind of as a, as a default. That was like, oh, here's, here's a choice. I get a job, but I never plan on becoming a golf professional or a club pro or working in that. So it's... It was just, you know, kind of this is something that came up, and I said, okay, I'll do this. How long were you stacking golf balls? Like, how long did that club job last? And and what you said earlier before the podcast that it was like 15-hour days. Like, on the one hand, it, it yeah. sounded yeah. great because you're out in the sun yeah. sometimes. Right. Yeah, that's, and that's part of my deal was making choices to be, you know, I didn't want to be right out of college going into a cubicle, and so I wasn't. But I was I went into a job that on the surface sounds really cool. Oh, an assistant pro at a club in Newport Beach, California, with all the real, you know, high high society folks. And but the reality is, is you're, you know, you're in the back room unpacking UPS boxes with, and taking the golf shirts out of the plastic Not and quite steaming. As no, no, and and yeah, helping Mrs. Smith on Tuesday sign up for the ladies' golf event and being enthusiastic about it and making sure she gets where she needs to be on Tuesday. <laughs> However unlikely that may be. <laughs> How long were you working at that job? That was uh, two years. And maybe you didn't have any of these categories, but did you have anything in mind during that period that sort of allowed you to work 15-hour days? Was it, Or was it simply, this is what my job is right now, I'll hang in there for an indefinite amount of time. How did you frame that? Yeah, actually, there was a, it was what I saw um, from the day I started there was I did have something in mind and it, it revealed itself as I was more work there as I was learning about how to be around these types of folks. And, and particularly, um, these are some of the so called most successful people in the world, but to getting to meet them one on one in their leisure time. And I saw, I saw right. Away, oh, I, I, this is gonna, this is gonna serve me well. Uh, this mm. is good training to be able to um, not be intimidated by, you know, here's so and so in the business world, but it, but on Saturday he's just another golfer trying to come out and play, and he needs my help to help him get there. 
And and then I was learning how to be comfortable in that environment. Frankly, you know, frankly, getting trained how to thrive in that environment. Hmm. The ability to like not get intimidated by the person pulling up in their Maserati and then get out in their khakis and you're just interacting with a guy in his khakis on the yep. 17th hole. Yep. 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 Yeah. All that stuff's pretty cool. But, and actually even before the job, I was kind of trained for that as a kid growing up playing golf. Um, when I was playing golf growing up, it was pretty nerdy. You know, this is kind of pre Tiger Woods and, you know, now it's lately it's, you know, in the last 15 years or so, it's kind of, it's more cool and rock stars play golf and surfers play golf and, and other pro athletes when they're off time, they play. Oh, when I was growing up, it was nerdy and weird. So, but I was pretty decent. So as a young kid growing up playing golf, you, if you're going to play with anybody else, you're going to probably playing with older adult successful males. And the thing that's the beauty of the sport is when you when you tee off, you're all the same. And so, like I learned from an early age how to be around, you know, so-called successful adult males because that's who you're playing golf with. So I was I was comfortable in that environment. And then when I got actually working in a job where, yeah, it involved you know stocking golf balls, but it was but it, a lot of it was selling and interacting with the people that are buying those golf balls. Mm. And I found I could I could do pretty well in that environment. So it was two years. What pulled you away from that? Was it pulling into the next thing, like the next door opened? And I'm wondering if during those two years, you had like the, at least the the presence to go, these are really great skills of interacting with these people. This is kind of a unique opportunity. Not many other folks get this chance to to learn how to interact with people of this echelon and this environment. I got to imagine though, that there were days where you're like, this is, this, this is it? Like, how long do I have to keep stacking golf balls? Um, but maybe that wasn't the case. I mean, certainly. No, it was. It was. I mean, it's not as glamorous as it looks. I saw that it was more about how to interact with people and help people enjoy their leisure time versus being able to shoot a good score. Mm. And that, that I, I was good at that. And so doors opened up and I got offered advancements in that very position. And I got offered my first head pro job I went into that first thing when I was right out of college. I'm 22. At 24, I got offered my first head pro job at a new development because I had been, had excelled in, she's people call people skills or whatever, but to be able to, um, you know, help people feel warm and welcome in their, in their leisure environment and get them what they need to go have fun that day. Mm. So... I want those skills. Tell me the three things I need to know. I know. I'm like, can you just put that into one paragraph for me to copy? This actually touches on a topic maybe we'll return to later, but just pushing a little right now, talking about the skill that you're developing is actually how to introduce people into joy or how to help them uh, exit their world and step into something that they're actually enjoying can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Like, how do you do that for a person? Oh, big time. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what's going on. And, um, well, first of all, you got to believe that that's what's possible, that today, here comes Mr. Smith or Mrs. Smith, and you can tell they've just been coming off a fight or whatever, and you got to actually seek out the opportunity to maybe turn them and get them focused on something else. And that um, whatever it is that, well, there's playing golf or 
or whatever they're going to do that day, that that's, that's, that's part of what your role is. And it's, and not, it's not just wanting to help people feel good. It's, it's anticipating what's, what are the specifics that are needed to, to make that happen. Um, and that's some, that a lot of times that's just logistics of, okay, they're here. We need to get them over to there. You know, she doesn't have this. He needs that. And, and taking care of the little things to help them get set up to have a good time. So you just mentioned the logistics. Some of it is, are the right kinds of things in place? Are there other things that you look for, like, or on just the interpersonal level, are sort of waiting to see happen when you're trying to invite someone in to something that they enjoy? Yeah, yeah, you, you definitely need to be able to read the situation because there's this is not about just being all cheery and joyful and suck up and kissy kissy to somebody to make them feel like they're going to you're there to really service them. Mm. There's a time for some of that but not usually. It's about, you know, being able to read, oh, here comes Joe and Joe likes it this way and here comes Bill and he needs this and and Tom wants to talk it up and Joe doesn't want to talk it up at all. You got to have some of that coming in. So it sounds like this combination of simply knowing what material things a person needs in place, but then also that skill of learning a person's rhythm and then sort of being able to identify where they are in that rhythm. Is that what you're describing? We're saying like, oh, yeah. this guy transitions out of work in this way. And yep. yeah. if he's yeah. not doing that, he's not going to end up yeah. liking his weekend. That's good. I feel like the natural way that I might try to fill that is like the cheerleader, the person who's like a little peppy and excited. And, and in that particular case, you know, it can feel like you're sucking up or, or just trying to put on a good show. But when it's even like a close friend, there's like that hoorah, rah, like if you're trying to have the same effect happen of someone transitioning from something into joy and getting to release their world for a little bit, yeah, I think I've felt, I, I, without realizing it, I think I felt the pressure has always sort of been the unspoken, like, you have to put on a good show and be a good cheerleader, and that's what's going to make them experience joy. And that isn't the case, actually. It's seeing their needs that's going to invite them into it. Yeah, bingo. It's This is not about a performance. And in fact, that it usually comes back to bite you on the bottom, for, particularly when someone's not in the position to receive a performance. It, it may be a great performance, but it's we're talking about kind of the basics of um, like customer service or dealing with you, you're here to provide, help someone have, have a good day. Or and so like we have this kind of this expression in the service um, world of like the goal would be friendly good service. Friendly good service. We've all had friendly bad service. Everybody's really nice, cheery, but they can't get my order right. Mm. Or we've had unfriendly, good service. Man, they nail it. The fork and knife are in the perfect place, but they got attitude and they're just, they're feeling like, you know, just, you just catch this vibe. So mm. you want friendly, good service. And it sounds cliche, but I mean, it's, 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 um, but, but to, to, but to, in order to do that, you've got to have some kind of awareness of what's going on. Mm. It's really interesting to see because this skill looks like it directly connects to something that you do now and have become excellent at, which is the same kind of helping a person disengage from their world 
But what you do often is help them disengage from their world in order to engage with their heart or in order to actually be able to identify what their needs are or put some words to some deeper things. Is that the same skill set? Or like, feels like I'm seeing a connection. I'm wondering, is it actually similar or is there an application of that kind of being able to pull somebody out that actually applies to uh, something beyond like a great day at the golf club into maybe a day where they're able to, you know, understand a little bit more of their own story or something more significant. Yeah, that you can have opportunities to, no pun intended, tee that up, but it's they got to take it. And it's, you, you don't get to kind of set that or we don't get to affect the outcome. But what I've enjoyed doing from the beginning of why I got what I saw was available in this so-called work environment of this having to be in, in customer service and golf and the golf business was this opportunity to help people have a good day. Just just that in and of itself, um, whether they do or don't is is um, but it's it's pretty neat when you can you can kind of help somebody get there. Now you kind of when you're in the so-called leisure business or recreation business, you're kind of set up for that because they're, they've decided to, okay, today I'm going to take off and go do something normal. And so they're kind of predisposed, I'm trying to do that uh, or trying to, I'm trying to discover joy or I'm trying to, you know, do something good for myself today. They, they're coming with that and, and you just want to help them kind of go the rest of the way. So you had this major that was actually oriented towards people and the ways that people interact and in mm-hmm. systems. And you had the skill set of being a golfer and wanting to be outside. And then all of a sudden you find these worlds kind of intersecting a little bit, whether you meant to or not, of skills with people and the, a lifestyle that wasn't in a cubicle and trapped indoors. What what was the was there a moment as you stepped further into this world where it felt like you could see beyond the next year of like, oh, this could be something that I end up doing. I feel like when I've asked older guys about the current jobs they do 20, 30 years in, there's a lot of like, well, I I don't know. I, I just kind of found myself here. And maybe that was the case. But I'm, I'm, as someone in the, in the beginnings of that journey, I totally want there to be like the I guess I'm still looking for the roadmap. I'm still like wanting for like the breadcrumbs of, oh, this is this is beginning to align with something that's not going to crush my soul. Mm-hmm. And it's meeting these areas of interests and desires that I already had beforehand as you shifted out of the Newport and into the, the, the lead pro. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a point on that, on your work journey, your career into that business that you had that moment of, I think this is probably the direction I'm going to continue doing, or is it just kind of one door after another? I'm, I'm super curious. From day one, you start thinking about, okay, where could this go to? Not just what is it offered for me today? I'm not in a cubicle. There's the immediate thing of I'm choosing lifestyle over career. It's not, but even if you're doing that, you say, you know, you're choosing to go work in something that's more fun as opposed to what you studied. Mm. Um, we live in a practical world. Even if you're doing that, that thing that, you know, 
whatever it is if you're you know if you're a ski lift operator or whatever because you don't want to go do that thing you studied in college yet you're you're showing up to work every day you you can't help but look around and see what are people older than me doing in this space where did they take it oh i see that guy i don't want to follow that guy i see that guy oh he looks like he kind of parlayed this into something pretty cool when he started out and you know sweeping the floors just to be on this particular, in this particular industry. Mm. Um, so you, from day one, if you've got your eyes open, you're looking around going, okay, what can I, where can I take this? If, and do I want to go there? Or I don't want to go there. Or if I do want to go that direction, what's it going to take? You, you got to be doing that in every situation from day one. You're looking around going, okay, where can I take this? And what's needed to take it there? Mm. So what was it for you? It was, you bet. Yes, it was. For me, it was in the in this particular space of golf clubs. I was looking around. Where are the new ones? Where are the cool ones? Where are the places that I want to go? That's mm. that's. It's not only golf, but where? What part of the world? What what are they doing there? What are their operating standards? What's their what's their? Do they want to be the best in this in this space? Because that's what was appealing to me. Is and that's what happened. Is I got to go next to a club that was you know like brand new, new development. And I, I got a break and got offered a, a position in a brand new development. This is a year before the golf course is open. They hired me early to be like an ambassador and an advocate for the project. And um, But from the beginning, I was looking like, where can I go with this? Hmm. So eventually, I think, you end up getting to contribute to the actual building, placement, shape of these clubs. When did that come in, if it did? Uh, it came in right away at the, um, when I got my first, it was called Head Pro job. It was for a new development in Tucson, Arizona. And um, it was just, I just found myself getting involved in things that were more than just the particular uh, golf pro scenario you get involved with you want to know what's the design going to be like what's the membership going to be like what's the sales and marketing of the project going to be like and i just kind of got found myself getting interested in all those areas and asking about those areas and then getting invited into those various areas and so that yep that led to being involved in the overall kind of development concepts in that I hear that the, you're clearly not accepting a new job that feels like a break and is a break, but then just kind of putting the blinders on and you're like, I'm the, I'm the lead pro for the, the golf experience for the guests and the members here. And I'm just going to think about that. I hear like a posture that you had, and maybe it's just intrinsic or maybe it was developed, but that kind of wider view of it's not just when they come on to the green that matters. It's how they got here in the first place it's their transit like you just it sounds like even in that moment of how you're getting involved in other things there's some posture in you that says i want to be as involved as possible in this experience in this project even if it's beyond the scope of my work i just think it's really it's really good it's really I, i'm just naming that i'm hearing that and i wonder yeah and in that posture there are some friends that come to mind where i think when what's you named earlier that you're looking around to see where this is going to go and when the prospects aren't that awesome i feel like it's really easy to just take it down a gear and you're just there to do the one thing that you're hired for no you can't you can't you can't no matter what industry you're in you 
I can't imagine doing that. I have to feel like I'm a part of something way bigger than my particular assignment. Mm. And then I believe in that. Yep, I've got a role to play within that. Mm-hmm. And depending on, you know, the structure and the leadership and management, whether I get to kind of affect things outside of my role. But 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 regardless of that, I got to believe in the overall effort of, of the, the overall endeavor. You know, and in, in, in this, my, this was, you know, helping people enjoy their leisure time and being damn smart about it. So... Mm-hmm. You got to have that major context first. Then, yeah, you've got a role within that to play. But I mean, even for you guys, like with what we're doing here and, and Ransom Heart, like you got to you you got to believe in what's the overall thing that's going on here, it, it, and that's got to be what jumps you out of bed in the morning. Yeah, some days better than most others, but I mean, like you got to like you got to have a context of like I'm part of something, and then and then that just. Then you naturally find yourself getting involved in, hey, what are we doing over here? What are we doing over here? Because that, if it's going to affect that overall thing, mm. it, 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 it may not be your particular assignment at that time. But, I mean, if you go to any company that you're going, just going to the employee cafeteria, everybody's talking about the overall endeavor of the thing. They they might be, you know, wor- be, they might be working in the cafeteria, but they've got an opinion about the overall mission of the comp of how are we doing on our overall deal? That's interesting because that really speaks to what I'm becoming curious about as you describe working in this industry, seeing ways that you can actually uh, contribute like in a more full way to the vision of these r- resorts. Wondering, how is your heart doing in these seasons? Like you've got... It sounds like your mind is engaged. Your skills, you're aware that your skill set is being developed. There are interesting problems to solve. How would you define or like speak to like your internal world during all of this? Oh man, that's a good one to reflect upon. I was um, newly married, and so I had that kind of going on. And but I've I've always just like what I was describing before, I've always got to kind of be a real fan of what I'm doing. And then that gets me, um, that's that's where my heart's at for whatever's going on in the job. If I lose touch with, okay, what's this all about? Then those, then those the boring days of that, the doing stuff I don't want to do days or dealing with the asshole days is that they can really bum me out. And I've had, you know, certainly had a bunch of days like that. But I have to. I have to be able to hang on to. Okay, no. Overall, we're we are doing good here. Um, people are having fun, and we're doing doing it better than it's been done before. Uh, I, I have to be able to to kind of remind myself of that, or else I, you know, yeah, I, I, I lose heart. And how much at this point in the story? How much of your time is being used for work? We've we left you several years ago at 16-hour work days in your first job out of college. Mm. You're now significantly more advanced in the field. How much are you working right now? Oh, my. I've been removed from the full-on 16-hour oh, not working. Right, right now, but, I mean, and when you were in Tucson. And, right now, oh. back in time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, gosh. that Now, that is 60 hours a week. Yeah, during that time, that's, yeah, that's... That's you're full on into, you're you're into what's required for the job. It, so it wasn't even so much thinking about the hours or the days. It's what do we need to do 
to achieve what we said we wanted to achieve. And so there were rhythms where some days it was like, hey, you know, it's today we need to, we got this going on. It's from dark 30 to dark 30. And there's other days where, oh, boys, let's go this afternoon. Let's go all tee it up and go play. So it was, it was really kind of, again, in, you know, it was in the context of I'm not just giving you my 40 hours because that's required or I'm, you know, it was, you know, that's the minimum that's required. You, it was a, um, it was in the context of what's needed to get done. That's really interesting simply to comment on a work skill. And I'm thinking of my peers here and what our expectations were and in our 20s for like working. And it's, it feels like a weird balance between identifying jobs that simply want your soul and want your whole life and identifying sort of the rhythms of a mission. Mm. Because, you know, I've got guys who, you know, they work in banking uh, or actually investment banking and they're in New York and like it is every waking hour. There was yeah. like, there was one story where, you know, guy ran into another guy at his office as they were coming out of, as he was coming out of a show Guy was walking back to his office. Unfortunately, there was a witness there to bring this story to us of the guy going back to the office goes, man, oh, I remember when I could still go to shows. Like, And they both kind of give this, yep. And it, But it just looked so insane of, wait, what is that job requiring of you that you can't do anything outside yeah, of it? Yeah. Versus, you know, when I started here at Ransom Tart, it was one of the most busy and demanding projects like, and set of projects that I've actually seen, you know, in three years here now. And I kind of came in being like, whoa, like, this is insane. You know, I'm getting, I'm doing, I'm getting messages outside of conventional working hours. And like, I'm, you know, having to jump back into design projects, like, after dinner, because we need to move something down the field. And there, and I was sort of, like, pretty disoriented coming in of like, whoa, like, what what is happening here? But then I think a little further into it, sort of started to realize like, oh, there it's a bit more of what you've described of it does seem like there's a healthy version of a, a mission or a job sort of having like uh, natural peaks and troughs of, yeah, like right now it's just requiring a lot, but it doesn't want every hour of my day it just happens to be that right now that we need more of that. And then hopefully it like tapers off and you end up with some days that yeah. you actually don't have, you know, you're not just working like a crazy person. You have a long lunch hour and guys are stepping outside to play spike ball. Yeah. But like, I think as sort of the question that comes up there is like, how would you identify or, or speak to sort of separating or distinguishing between a job that wants your soul, wants mm. your whole life, mm. and a job that at various times just might require more or less of your time. Yeah. Boy, Blaine, you just, you just really nailed it as far as that is, that is really what's going on in, with, with most people right now. And to go back into my own story, to go back to when I was, right out of college and yep, I just accepted this golf proposition in a golf club and, and we kind of, yeah, 
to go into those two years, that was exactly what was the deal. Uh, you, you, it sounded glorious, but it was not only packing shirts and 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 pricing, you know, all the the, the backroom work of retail and that kind of thing. But what we did, you just described that we kind of glossed over was I was working for a guy that that my boss this this was that was his life he expected you to give it your heart and soul and that it wasn't just the hours and the work is that that was supposed to be the most important thing in your life at that time and so yeah i got it i i, I lived in that and it was um but there's a big difference i wasn't married got no kids and you and but that the reality was, I was working for a guy who wasn't taking care of his heart, wasn't taking care of his health. He was married, but he was married to his job, and you had to worship at that altar. You had to go at his rhythm, and I was in a point in my life where I could do that. But when I was doing it, I swore I wasn't going to do that forever, and was seeing how that's not going to be me. Uh, but yep, went through that season where it wasn't, it was just like, this is crazy. This pace is not healthy. And, but I had to do it because that's what was required in that job, which even made me more motivated to go, okay, when it's my turn, I'm not going to live like that. And did you like set a time frame on that? Because I know that I have friends who identify with some form of, I'm not, I'm not going to do this forever. Yeah. I, in right, and, but, some of them, that means, you know, I can stay in this for yeah. six months. Yep. And others, they can stay in a lot longer. So yep. did you, what did you do to... It, it, what I did is I, uh, it was motivation to work my way out of there. The, when you're working for a workaholic, you can, you can, and they'll just run you ragged. And they just think that's what's expected. And okay, yeah, maybe there's a time for that for a certain part. But you, I mean, that's a that's an individual question. Um, there's no real kind of set. Okay, I did it this long and said I was going to for this long. And then it, he, he, you're in there looking at every day, going, okay, how do I take what I can learn from this, and and use this to go create freedom. For my the, or the kind of work ethic I want for my life later. So, you, I mean, we use this word cunning, but you you go in there and you go, okay, I don't like this now. Don't want to live at this pace. And you may be having to go home at night and tell your wife or or tell your girlfriend or even your buddies, look at I got I just don't have much margin right now. Um, but you better be thinking about how how am I gonna, you know, when do I. When and how do I either leverage or exit from this? And some guys can't. Some guys get stuck. And other guys are going, after a week, they go, this isn't for me. So it's, a, it's an individual uh, uh, kind of a situational thing. But it doesn't mean you can't use it and learn from it and let it inform the way that you're going to either you're going to shift careers or change jobs or go, nope, this comes with the territory. I mean, don't you kind of wish there was a time frame, though? I mean— I would, yeah. Do I wish there was a time frame? Do I wish there was like a, 
a math equation that was work right? in the it's formation like if it's of my soul. It's 100 hours a week, stay there. <laughs> One year. If it's 80 hours a week, it, like something so like that. The Pythagorean theorem of like how much suffering you have to endure before you are matured and can do something else. Yeah, that would, that would be great. It makes me think even if, you know, our younger brother right now works at a school in town where he just is worked like a dog. But you know, sort of has at least the clarity of God's God inviting him into it in this season of like, I'm, you know, I'm developing your leadership and I want you to work at this school for the time being. And that's like got him through because I think looking at him, if there were no context of like, yep, God has given you some categories about what this season is about. Mm. You can see that working in this job. Yeah. If not for that, I think he would have made like a lot of the staff at his school and just cleared out of there when the workload crossed a certain level of viability. Yeah, right. Sam, I'm wondering if, uh, this is a question I like to ask because it's, it's the thing sometimes pre-revealing of our assumptions. Um, if you could go back and give 22, 28, 35-year-old you a piece of advice that, that wouldn't necessarily change the trajectory or the future, but that might just help settle that younger you and to what was coming and, and what to expect. What what words would you would you offer to to younger you in, in the context of work? Well, I never thought of it that way. I guess first I'd say, good going. Hmm. Way to go. And uh, it's only now. And I'm starting to realize the value of those experiences and that I think I'm above average at seeing what's going on around me. And I was at that time, but there was even more than that. And that uh, did good, did good. And that, but in the moment it was like, am I making a difference here? Or I don't quite have the lifestyle I want yet. And there was, there was a lot more going on, a lot more value than I could appreciate at the time. And on the surface, it maybe didn't feel like it during that time. Mm. I mean, guys, there's a whole other thing about kind of what you just touched on that you could go to is that kind of the, the work ethic. Is the work ethic today different than it was before? You know, we've all heard stories from our father and grandfather, you know, I work now, that is how the stories sound. I mean, like, you know, and I've worked this job, you know, and 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 then and 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 that this generation and these upcoming generations have been told so many times, find margin in your life, be healthy, be balanced, you know, make it to the five o'clock yoga class. You know, da, da, da. And and some old school guys would say, That's a bunch of shit. You don't have the luxury to do that in 20, your early twenties. But there is a new thing that's at work here with technology that's insane. It's Please insane. talk about it. It's just, insane. Just go. <laughs> I mean, the with technology today, your boss owns you because you have a phone in your pocket right now, and he knows it. And that means either an email or a text, and he knows you're checking it every 10 minutes because you have other people in your life that have permission to contact you 24 seven 
your girlfriend, your wife, your brother, your friend, your friend in crisis, whatever. So your boss knows you're checking for those messages. His messages or her messages come in the same way. So he knows you saw what he just sent you 10 minutes ago. Mm. And if you're not responding, he knows you're choosing not to respond. And that's saying something about your commitment to your job Mm. or to him or to the bigger story that you're involved with, however you want to color it. That, I can't imagine navigating that because if you work for a workaholic or a guy that doesn't believe in not you know, bothering you after five o'clock or six o'clock or whatever, whatever the kind of the boundaries have been set, he owns you, physically owns you because he's in your pocket. That is new territory. I don't know how you navigate that Mm. without, and let's give you, for instance, so you sit down with your boss and say, look, you know, you know, from seven to eight o'clock at night, my wife and I eat dinner, da, 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 da. I I just got to tell you, I'm not answering texts from them it depends on what kind of guys on the other end of receiving that message because he can go wait a minute i thought you were really in here i thought you were really committed to those objectives we set out corporately da, 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 you know or he could go hey right on i admire your sense of of, of personal space and i respect that but i mean let's face it most guys out there particularly you know they're 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 under pressure themselves because somebody else owns them and has got one of those devices in their pocket. It's madness. It's, it's, it's madness, fellas. Uh, it's, and, you know, as much as I want to hear the stories about my father, you know, walking to school in the snow five miles uphill both ways as a means of describing the work ethic, work ethic of the old days in Howling, no, no. He's, he, 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 with technology now, it's different. Uh, and particularly with with work teams and the way companies are organized, if you 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 have to worship at that altar and technology wise they own you. I mean I could just I've got the story to prove it. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you need the story though. I think it it's stand on its own. I, that does feel really kind because I think there's this propensity to look at the the ease that technology brings and the amount that we're able to take down and and do and kind of there's also the the new american dream of like you're going to create a new app you're going to be you're going to work so hard and and get get really lucky after producing stuff for years and years and years but the old the old timers they had the real work ethic they had like they would you know they go into the coal mines and do what needed to be done and you guys are on facebook and you're like <laughs> that that's the message that i feel like is is projected at least um and so just to to oh to put the language of your boss owns you because he's in your pocket makes me want to destroy my phone even though and my boss is fairly rarely <laughs> rarely texts you after it, it hours does, about yeah. work For, i'm fortunate in that regard it's interesting oh. because besides being sort of depressed the thing <laughs> that, that does raise in me that when i think about like yeah, I you know I've heard the stories and like you know when I try to bitch about a job after college like <laughs> in certain ways, Dad would just be like, "Oh man, those are good miles." Like, and then he'd come back with a story of like replacing every toilet in project housing in Los Angeles and like you know 
you know, wearing like a T-shirt across his face. And by the end of the day, like the T-shirt was yellow and it was just like, okay, never mind. Like I just (laughs) am not very good at work, I guess, because I don't know that I could. But going like, okay, you know, there is the reality of some real things needing to develop in us as young men, like the level of discernment of, you know, what your season is about and whether or not to stay in that 16-hour-a-day job. But I do think that, you know, the, the pieces you've been offering really apply even when your boss is in your pocket. But it just feels like the level of maturity needed to operate is, like, increased massively because of, like, the reach of t- the, the reach and the pervasiveness of technology where I'm hoping that it's not a different skill, you know, figuring out how much of your life to give your job even when the pull is much higher. It's not a different skill figuring out whether or not to leave your job even though, like, the insanity of the demand might be much stronger. But the And, and speaking of it not being a different skill, what we were talking about earlier of helping to facilitate someone's joy and disen- disentangling that you were learning and talking about now is something that we need to learn for ourselves as much as you need to learn if you're in the customer service industry of like what are what are the things that you're going to be doing what are the things that you need for yeah. your own sake that's that's really true sam cuz you've got to i mean you got to be honest with yourself about what you can and can't tolerate on a daily basis to put one foot in front of the other for what's good for you um the fundamentals haven't changed as far as like you got what I mean by that is you got to know who you are and, and have some sense of go to your example of your dad, you know, cleaning out the toilets. Well, he, he, the, 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 he had to be able to go home at night and go I, I, that this doesn't define me as a man because, you know, you can go, oh, this is so this is my life. Um, but also how and you make your choices accordingly. Otherwise, he could go into that job and do it knowing that, look, I'm not, you know, this isn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not a toilet cleaning guy. And that's, that's, that's the ultimate for me, or that defines me. He, he had to have some separation um, between that task of what he was doing that day for that time. But back to the technology thing, you got to ask yourself, like, can I separate myself from if I get a text or an email from my boss or work, um, how's that going to affect me? Because let's face it, there are times where, you, you know, there's a convenience to getting, hey, look at tomorrow morning, we've got this, this, and this, and he's telling you at nine o'clock at night, and, and that's good heads up, and that's good to, good to be able to have. There's those times, if, if you're the kind of person that's just going to take you out for the rest of the night with your wife and kids, then you maybe need to think about, Am I in the right place? That really starts to speak to one last category that seems so relevant, especially in the insanity of the environment or the intensity of the environment we're talking about here. And that is, uh, it's a a slight turn, but into just some practices of self-care. And we know this is actually, I happen to know the story of like your self-care of cutting your grass um, but if we just assume that you're going to be working, you're working in a unique environment with like high levels of uh, demand, what are some things that w- or like, 
some coordinates you would give to keeping your heart alive in the middle of those seasons, whether practices that a guy might institute or like uh, keys or skills like he might need. But if we just say your phone's always in your pocket, you're working in an environment where the demands of companies seem to be increasing, like what would you say to the guy who just asks, how do I, what do I need to do to keep my heart alive in this season where I'm at this company for a while? Yeah, yeah. Somebody's got to go. You got to ask yourself that question. What is what's necessary for my self care? What does that look like for me? Um, and if you're not asking that, if you're not taking a hard look at that, or inviting people close to you in to speak into that, uh, you're setting yourself up to be taken out by um, by your situation. Uh, and so, whatever that looks like for you, and yep, I tend to. to um, that's always been a big factor for me. I mean, you, you, I love the old Billy Joel song, you know, do what's good for you or you're not good for anybody. Um, it's true. And so go find out what that is. And, and um, for me, it was around, you know, uh, solitude, um, exercise, but exercise in the sense of it had to be kind of playful exercise, um, whatever that looks like for you. And because if you don't do that, you're you're you, 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 you it's 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 not pretty uh, and so yeah so i mean like if for for me i if i don't wake up and get that cup of coffee going and just have some quiet time before i pull that that device out of my pocket because i happen to know about myself that there can be a message on there good or bad that will take me out of that time that i needed the 10 minutes i needed to just space and not, you know, and, and, and if I miss that by getting out of, you know, by, in this case, going and checking my phone, and it could be, like I said, it could be good news. I, if I miss that time, uh, I get set up for being in trouble later that day. Sam, thanks for being on the podcast today. It's so good. So good to have you here. <laughs> right on. Cool.